Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 125 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this week's episode, we're going to be discussing choosing what to bring on a hike. Now, in episode one of this podcast, we discussed choosing the right gear as far as purchasing was concerned. Um, and if you're anything like me, the purchasing never stops uh, and you end up owning more hiking gear than you, or for that matter, several people are ever, ever likely to use. Now, even though I will happily dispose of something when it's had its day, I will often hang on to gear for uh, a just-in-case situation, um, and as a result, I've become a bit of a hoarder when it comes to hiking. Yes, you're definitely a hoarder, and I think we've got enough gear to take a small scout troop out hiking. So how then do you decide what to pack for a hike? And, and realistically, if you've only got a set of gear, one shelter, one sleeping bag, um, one pack – the choice is pretty easy. You, you go out to the your storage area and pick up the gear that you've got. But when you have the luxury of having a, a, a range of gear to pick and choose from, this is where it can become difficult. Uh, and a good example here is that I own nine packs and will regularly use six of them depending on the situation. And this is a pattern that's repeated across much of my gear. It, there's something that you need to think about there, Tim. <laughs> really. What, I need more gear? <laughs> um, so in most cases, there's no one right answer when assembling a set of gear for an upcoming adventure. Uh, and in this podcast, we're going to look at the considerations for making the choices. And while some of them are very similar to the considerations you would make when purchasing equipment, there are differences. Now, the first thing we're going to go through and look at is the function. Uh, and in many respects, this is probably the easiest choice to make. Uh, and really what it comes down to is does the equipment you're planning on taking on a hike do what you need for, need for it to do? And I'll use as an example here sleeping bag selection. If you're planning on doing an overnight or extended hike and you know based on the information that you have uh, that you can expect minus 2 degrees Celsius, then you need to ensure that your sleep system, which includes your sleeping bag, your sleeping mat and the clothes you're wearing, can cope with that. Selecting a bag that will only keep you warm to 6 degrees Celsius may be an option, uh, depending on the rest of your sleep system and your own tolerance to cold, but it could also be potentially uh, uh, dangerous, leading to hypothermia in in some extreme conditions. I'm just stuck stuck on the fact that, you know, you've thinking about minus two degrees and a six-degree sleeping bag. It's like, no. (laughs) Okay, so taking that a step further, um, the next consideration is weight and size. And when we're talking about size, we're talking about pack size of whatever piece of gear. And all other factors being equal, uh, I will usually but not always choose the lightest option. We'll talk a bit more about uh, when I won't do that. Now, you may never choose to go ultralight, and generally with ultralight, it often means a smaller sizing as well, but reducing the weight you carry should be a goal that every hiker strives to achieve. So I I just interject here because um, my sleep system is fairly well um, sorted, and unless it's really, 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 really hot, I will use a super, 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 super warm sleeping bag, 
um, with an insulated mat and possibly a liner and if it gets really, really, really cold, I'll put more clothing on. Um, the, the, the size of that sleeping bag is large when it's compressed, so it's not the smallest compressed bag um, available, um, but it's what I use. Okay, so, and I suppose this, you know, what it comes down to from my perspective is, as I said, it's it's really a matter of horses for courses, and and as we said in the introduction, there really is no right right answer here. You calling me a horse? <laughs> All right, so I own two sleeping bags currently, soon to be three, and almost without fail, I will always choose my lightest weight bag, which is a minus two degree bag that weighs seven hundred and twenty grams. My minus four degree bag, so it's it's an extra couple of degrees, but in, in, you know that's that can make a difference. Weighs a thousand and thirty grams, so it's around about three hundred grams heavier. Now, three hundred grams in itself is not a major issue, but if you look at that across all your pieces of gear and add three hundred grams here, thirty or forty grams here and there with another piece of gear, it can actually end up being quite heavy by the end of it. So, if you do have the luxury of being able to choose. It is a consideration to look at. Look, I think, you know, and I. it's interesting that we're talking about sleep systems because um, for me, I mean, the overall weight of my pack is important, um, but I will not sacrifice the warmth of that sleeping bag. <laughs> that, that is one thing I will not cut on. <laughs> Anything else, I will go without clothing. I will go without whatever, but not a warm sleeping bag. So, yeah, as I said, from my perspective, um, with – my sleeping mat, um, with my liner, with uh, all the clothing that I wear, um, my minus two bag will take me down to my minus seven degrees. Um, but certainly, you know, that's going to be pushing the friendship a bit. And um, you know, if it is minus seven, I definitely would prefer to have a, a warmer bag. But you know, as I said, it's a consideration and it's something that you need to make a decision on um, when you are choosing what gear to take. Yeah, and... Um I would just remind you, Tim, that you were very interested in my insulated sleeping bag liner that uh, when you were a little bit chilly on one of those really, really cold nights, I suggested that uh, you loan and then didn't get it back. <laughs> <laughs> and it was minus five. So, yeah, as I said, it was pushing the uh, the friendship as far as… Well, uh, you're pushing my friendship because <laughs> you took my sleeping bag liner. But in all fairness, though, I also didn't have all my clothing on that I could have added, so I did have a layer that I wasn't wearing. So the next consideration is comfort, and this is where things can sort of contradict some of the things we've already gone through and discussed. And I'll use as an example here my pack, Uh, and for the past three years my pack has been the Osprey Exos, Uh, and my selection was really based on two main criteria, which was function and weight. Uh, and I was happy with the comfort level of it, but it wasn't a bigger consideration as to the other choices. Now, in the main, this pack has suited me really well, um, and I, I, the heaviest I ever tend to be uh, when I hike, even with eight days' food, is around about the 21-kilo mark, um, but um, uh, usually I like it around about the 18.5 kilos. Uh, and on my Bibbleman track hike last year, Eight and a half kilos week one, the pack was really comfortable and wasn't a problem whatsoever. 
Uh, week four, uh, when I picked up my last food drop, again, 18 and a half kilos, and I found the pack not particularly comfortable, and I found it digging into my shoulders. Uh, and I worked out that the real issue was uh, because I hadn't been doing any weights in the gym, uh, all my energy and effort had been going into walking. So while I, while I'd been building up the uh, the muscles in my legs, I'd been losing it off my upper body. And as a result, the the pack, which was usually quite comfortable for me, wasn't comfortable in this situation. So um, on our most recent human hovel track hike, I tried a different pack. Um, and it weighed 800 grams more than my usual pack, which is a bit of a contradiction from what I normally tend to look at. Uh, in this case here, I sacrificed weight, uh, but I actually ended up picking up comfort. So in that respect, comfort was more of a, a criteria for me. So I think you know, on, a, on a, a shorter hike or on a hike where um, I didn't wasn't going to be carry as much weight, um, my normal pack does quite well, uh, but I know from experience over these two longer hikes that having that extra comfort towards the end of the hike becomes more of an issue, uh, and that that penalty uh, weight penalty of the extra weight um, is really worth worthwhile considering. Yeah, it, this is also a really interesting one because I think um, sometimes we think about trading off one thing for another. So, you know, we're talking about comfort versus weight um, versus something else. And and I, I think it's about um, trimming rather than trading, if that makes sense. So, you know, as you talk, I hear a, a little bit of extra comfort with a little bit of extra weight is okay, as opposed to uh, lots of comfort and lots of weight. So there's sort of a fine tuning that goes on here in terms of your tolerance and what you're looking for. And I think it also depends on how long that particular hike is going to be. So a day or two, three days, maybe you won't worry too much. But as you said, if you if you're looking at weeks, then you're wanting to be forecasting ahead to what you might look like, how you might feel, what you might be experiencing. Um, in two, three, or four weeks' time, and part of that, to a great extent, tends to be experience as well. I mean, you know, if you've never done a hike longer than two days, you're not going to really know what you're going to feel like in two weeks or three weeks. And you know, it's just something that, you know, for me, the Bibbulmun Track hike was the longest hike I'd ever done at five weeks. I'd never done a hike of that length before. Um, you know, my pack that I used had always been really comfortable on shorter hikes, and it was only by doing that longer hike that I realised um, that, that what the issue was. So I think it's it, it's one of these sort of things that for a lot of people, you what may suit you on your shorter hikes may not suit you that well on the longer hikes, and, and, and in a lot of cases, you're not going to know that until you actually try it and see what happens. Now, Jill just mentioned talking about um, uh, it's a combination of a number of factors like distance and weight and and, and length of time as well. And, and I think this is a factor that often comes into it when you're choosing your pack, which is typically what's carrying all your weight. So um, usually the recommendation for choosing a pack tends to be get your pack when you've got everything else because you need to know what size pack you need rather than buying a pack and then trying to fill it up. Um, 
we bought a, a pack a few years ago based on recommendations uh, to do the Larapenta Trail uh, and then found out that the pack was um, was only about 50% full um, because what we were carrying just didn't go anywhere to filling it. So I think you know it is possible to buy packs up to roughly about 100 litres and that, that is really a very large pack. But when you tend to look at those packs, they've got very padded hip belts, very padded shoulder packs. They they really are built to carry, uh, they're classed as exhibition packs, those really big packs, and they're designed to carry a lot of weight uh, and have the comfort to do it. So if you buy an expedition pack uh, and only half fill it, you're going to have a really comfortable pack, albeit one that weighs probably around about three and a half to four kilos. Um Whereas um, anything for me, a pack over two kilos, I consider to be, to be reasonably heavy. So you can choose to buy a more comfortable and more padded pack um, that's going to feel better. Uh, but again, you're likely to pick up weight with all that extra padding. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? This thing about, you know, work out what you need to take with you and then um, get get the, the sack essentially um, to, to fit what you've got in front of you versus commit to a particular size of pack um, and then only take what you can fit. So I, I'm not quite sure which is the, the better way to go. I think, you know, that whole um, travel advice uh, when you go overseas that says, you know, get everything out that you're going to take um, you know, put it on the bed and then start taking things away. I, I think that's probably good advice. Um, but the smaller pack, the better. I, I still think the more comfortable you're going to be. And I'm, I must admit, I, I will typically do um, at least two packs on a long distance hike. I'll, I, I know what uh, I pretty much use for most of the time. I'll get it all out. I'll put it all, I'll hopefully sit it all in a, in a, in a room and, um, pack it, um, pull it apart a few days later and put it back in again. And I find that because we we um, tend to do one long distance hike a year and then through the rest of the year they tend to be shorter hikes, um, you know, packing uh, on a uh, for a longer distance hike when you haven't got excess space in your pack means you have to pack uh, reasonably systematically and going through and um, making sure everything is in its place and it has a place. Uh, so I find that on a, a long-distance hike, after a few days, the pack, and not just because I've been using the food, but the pack just seems to fit together better. Um, you know, I know where everything goes uh, and I don't have to think about it so much. Whereas you know, from you know, six months since I last did my long hike, I have to think, right, where does everything go again and make sure it fits into the space that it's got. Yeah. On the human hovel track, I was using the Osprey Asia. Um, pack and uh, the recommendation is that um, you can carry 14 to 18 kilos. I think probably max when we at the beginning of a food drop I probably had 15 absolutely tops. Um, I do think it was much more comfortable when it was 12, um, <laughs> uh, 13, maybe 14 but there's no way I would take that particular pack up to 18 and and not for any length of time. I, I, I don't think that for me, again, you, Tim was talking about 
shoulder straps rubbing and those sorts of things and, um, uh, you know, pressure on the upper body, I don't think I would have been able to carry 18 kilos in that pack. No, no, and it really does come down to personal preference here and individual um, individual bills. Um, you know. and that's not to say I can't carry 18 kilos. That's just saying that in that particular pack, I don't think that that would be likewise. I think I don't think that would be a good thing. And likewise, the Exos, um, you know, that's that's a very lightweight pack and – once you start loading it up. So, you know, when you were talking about those um, those larger packs, they're there for a particular purpose and they're padded for a purpose and that's if that's what you want, then go for that. So I think uh, what it really does come down to is um, every time you go through and do a hike, um, really what I'd suggest is going through and assessing every piece of gear um, that goes into that pack, and, and that includes the pack as well. Um, now, as I said, if you get all your gear out and work out that it's going to fit into a much smaller pack and you have the luxury of having a smaller pack to carry, it's not a bad way to go. That's a bonus. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bonus. Uh, and as I said, I realise that not everyone owns multiple packs or multiple sleeping bags or multiple tents. Uh, it, it is a luxury. Um, so for me, my selection criteria really comes down to the length of the hike, as in the number of kilometres, uh, the duration of the time, the hike. Uh, as I said, if I'm going on a three, four, five-week hike, that will influence uh, what I'm going through and taking. The weather forecast, um, the maximum weight that I'll be carrying, um, what whether I'm travelling solo uh, or travelling with Jill, uh, and that'll dictate which tent that we tend to take, because when I'm hiking solo, I will take a lighter weight two-person tent that at a, at a squeeze you'd get two people in, but you'd want to be really friendly to, <laughs> really friendly to actually fit in. Yeah, we're not that friendly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's, there's all these considerations. And I'll go through and weigh up all these factors and consider each piece of gear in, in, in building my, my pack. Now, what this means is in many cases that while I have a favourite set of gear uh, that I base most of my hikes on – uh, and I'll use this as a starting point, I treat every hike as unique. What this means is that I build my pack from the ground up to create what I consider to be the optimum for that particular hike, even if it isn't necessarily the lightest in weight. So ultimately it comes down to um, if you have the luxury of choice, choose what suits you, but consider what you personally think um, is, is important uh, in taking on a hike – but the main thing is to have actually considered it. Don't just stuff stuff into a pack. Um, don't think, oh, just in case I'll carry uh, an extra four sets of clothing or I'll carry an extra three days of food. Um, carrying some extra is not a bad thing, but as long as it's a considered process. Okay, so to finish off, what it ultimately comes down to is you have the luxury of choice. Choose what suits you. But the main thing is put some consideration a little bit or a lot into what goes into your pack. Uh, and as, if you've considered, then you know, the choice really is yours. Okay, so now we're on to our podcast reviews. And we've had a number of iTunes reviews coming in over the last month. 
and thank you to everyone that's uh, that sent a, a, a fairly large number of reviews that have come through. And we'll just go through and read a few of those just to uh, uh, let you know what people are thinking of the Australian Hiker podcast. So we have Nana Driem, uh, who's living vicariously, uh, and she says, I'm now an arthritic grandmother, but I still love hiking. And even if I can't manage the distances that I used to, I can still enjoy hiking secondhand. I particularly enjoyed the Bibbleman track, and I'm now loving the human hovel, uh, especially as I've done sections of both in recent years. I often listen to your podcast before bed and love the relaxed and personal feel of it, and the fact that it's not constantly interrupted with ads. Well done, Jill and Tim. And the next review is from Beck Six Star Nine. Really good, very enjoyable. As someone who hikes weekends, I've found this podcast to be entertaining and informative. Thanks, Jill and Tim. Best podcast on iTunes, uh, and this is my favourite podcast to listen to, and I don't even hike. Jill and Tim present such an informative, diverse, and interesting range of topics in an extremely calm and casual manner. Always well prepared and eloquently delivered. Wednesdays are always better with a new hiker to listen to. They also have the coolest logo. Whoever came up with that <laughs> uh, one deserves a high five. Long time listener. <laughs> uh, and we did actually, or the the uh, our web guy who actually designed our logo uh, did actually um, uh, end up getting a an award second second in the webbies, I think. Um, so it's Ed Digital, and uh, yeah, second in the webbies, which is an international thing for the website. So we were quite pleased that with that. He was a bit disappointed that it was only second, but you know, hey, um, I had to laugh about the. Uh, the uh, calm and casual manner, that probably uh, was a reflection of uh, the moment that I almost fell asleep during a podcast on Human Hobble <laughs> <laughs> and Tim had to cut out the yawn. That <laughs> oh, at least most of the yawn that I could. <laughs> anyway, uh, next one is Addicted. I stumbled across this about a year ago, uh, but it sat in my feed. I have hundreds of podcasts lined up. Then after starting research into transitioning into Overnight hiking, this podcast came up and I realised I'd already downloaded it and it was perfect. I think I listened to six episodes, one after the other. I like the humour, that it's easy to follow and most importantly, I've learned a heap and it's been one of my main resources when purchasing gear. Thank you both for doing such a great thing. Um, I have to say, some of those uh, reviews are a little bit overwhelming for us. Um, We just kind of do what we think is... Um, of interest, um, and it's great to get the feedback to reinforce that. Yeah, we, we, we greatly appreciate the feedback, so keep them coming. Now, in next week's podcast episode, which is episode 126, we're going to be catching up with Lucy Barnard from Tangles and Tail, and we interviewed Lucy uh, just a few days ago. Uh, so I've just got to put the podcast together, uh, and that will be released on the 9th of October 2019. So for those of you that are really keen in following Lucy, um, have a listen to our previous podcast where we talked to her. Now, just a reminder that if you go to our Facebook page, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, which comes out on the first day of each month, uh, and this will give you a heads up on what's happening uh, in, with the Australian Hiker blog and podcast. And it'll include some great opportunities to be announced in next month's third birthday celebrations. Wow, third birthday. So, yeah, if you haven't already signed up but are listening to the podcast, uh, 
go go ahead and do it, and you'll find there's benefit in 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 getting that into your inbox each month. As always, this podcast can be downloaded through our website at www.australianhiker.com.au, through iTunes, through Podbean, through Stitcher Radio, and a multitude of other podcatchers that are out on the market. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.